Welcome to PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Soboleski. Today, we're going to talk about swallowed foreign bodies. It's no secret that kids put things in their mouth. This is how they explore the world, especially in the pre-toddler phase. Older children will often chew on objects and swallow things for no apparent reason other than to worry their parents. Now, young kids often eat non-organic objects like coins, toys, button batteries. As you suspect, the highest rates are in children six months to four years of age with a male to female ratio of one to one. And let me be honest with you, I've seen it all. All denominations of coins, paper clips, drywall screws, bolts, the latter of which drove dad nuts. In contrast to the little ones, teenagers more often present with foreign body complaints related to food, choking events or impaction in their esophagus with that ongoing globus sensation, you know, that feeling like something is stuck in your throat. Though foreign body ingestions are common, most are harmless and pass into the stool without incident. Retained foreign bodies can cause GI mucosal erosion, abrasions, local scarring, or even perforation. Foreign bodies that are lodged in the esophagus, they can lead to peritonitis, mediastinitis, pneumothorax, pneumomediastinum, pneumonia, respiratory disease, or even the catastrophic and potentially fatal aortoenteric fistula. You should definitely suspect a foreign body when there is an acute onset of airway or GI obstructive symptoms in a child at risk. Also, the most important historical factor is if the parents are worried about a foreign body, often via witnessing the child swallow an object. Let's go ahead and take a look at foreign bodies from an anatomic perspective. If a child has a foreign body in the upper airway, you need to focus on the ABCs. Make sure the child can phonate, swallow, handle secretions, and most importantly, protect their airway. Do not attempt to dislodge a foreign body from a spontaneously breathing patient by giving back blows or abdominal thrusts or sticking something in their mouth to get the foreign body. Remember, they are protecting and maintaining their own airway. Do not take that away from them. A child with a foreign body adjacent to the glottis that can breathe, again, is a child that you should not mess with. An agitated child can have a partially obstructed airway become a completely obstructed airway. So, let the kid remain in a position of comfort, preferably with a parent nearby or holding them. If a child does suddenly decompensate, initially use rescue maneuvers like back blows for babies or a Heimlich maneuver slash abdominal thrust for older children. A stable child with an airway foreign body will need to have that foreign body removed. The most experienced personnel should take care of this to inspect and secure the airway in the safest possible setting. Often, this is in the operating room with ENT. Consult early and let them know the exact situation. If this is not possible, you have to consider an awake look with topical anesthetics for the airway and a sedative agent like ketamine. You don't want to paralyze the child. Again, the best procedurist should be in control of the airway and the foreign body removal. If you are highly suspicious of foreign body, especially if the parent witnessed it, you don't necessarily need an x-ray. If the diagnosis is uncertain, you can get one only if the child has a stable airway. And note that most upper airway foreign bodies 
are food-based or inorganic as opposed to foreign bodies in the esophagus and below. If it is a metal foreign body, a metal detector may pick it up in the child's throat. This is especially helpful for radiolucent aluminum pop can tabs. And no, I did not call them soda cans. Direct the comments to the complaints department. All right, let's move further down the body. So once the foreign body gets past the airway, the vocal cords, and all those important structures, we're not necessarily out of the woods. But fortunately, the immediate threats to the child's life have passed. And note that I said immediate, more on that in a moment. Foreign bodies in the esophagus can cause a number of symptoms, including dysphagia, food refusal, drooling and gagging, uh, emesis or even hematemesis, a foreign body sensation, you know, that feeling that something's stuck in your throat, aka the globus sensation, uh, chest pain, sore throat, strider, cough, or even unexplained fever are also seen. Most complications of pediatric foreign body ingestion are due to esophageal impaction. 70% of esophageal impaction is at the thoracic inlet. That's between the clavicles on the chest x-ray. The esophagus transitions from skeletal to smooth muscle here, as well as the sling of the cricopharyngeus muscle, which is located at C6. These both serve as anatomic locations where something can get lodged. The remaining 30% are divided between 15% being at the mid-esophagus, behind the aortic arch and carina, and another 15% right above the lower esophageal sphincter at the gastroesophageal junction. Kids more at risk for foreign body impaction in the esophagus include those with prior procedures, you know, like a tracheoesophageal fistula, uh, kids with recurrent symptoms, or impacted food, especially those teenagers, should be evaluated for eosinophilic esophagitis, which is, simply put, basically like eczema of the esophagus, where stuff doesn't pass through because the lining of the esophagus is not normal. Sharp objects most often pass harmlessly, which is absolutely amazing, but can occasionally be lodged at any point. Button batteries are of particular concern, obviously. They can get stuck on the mucosa, and they generate an electric current, so it's not actually the leaking of battery acid. This current can cause a devastating tissue necrosis, and this can happen in as little as two hours. Now, as I noted earlier, most ingested foreign bodies are radio-opaque, so a single AP view of the neck, chest, and belly, you know, a foreign body series, is usually sufficient to locate the object on plain radiograph. Interestingly, 15% of kids with a history of a swallowed coin don't even have one that shows up on x-rays, so either they swallowed it a few days ago or they are liars. A coin in the esophagus will appear flat and circular most often on the AP film, and thin and straight on the lateral. This is because the esophagus is flat, and so are coins. Lateral views can also show two coins stacked together or the two-step border of button batteries. Radiolucent objects may be inferred from airway compression on plain radiographs, but obviously this is unreliable. Now you can have the child drink some contrast and get an esophagram to see a filling defect of those radiolucent objects. But many gastroenterologists will recommend that you don't do this if it is likely to proceed to endoscopy. Now if you see a coin in the esophagus on x-ray, you should consider it to be impacted and probably unlikely to move. Coins can remain for up to 24 hours, don't chance it in most cases, but button batteries should be removed as soon as possible. 
blunt foreign bodies at the lower esophageal sphincter can pass within several hours. So occasionally, if I get a child that has a coin in their esophagus from their primary care doctor or another facility, I'll get a follow-up x-ray to see if the coin's moved. Most often I find that this is not the case. So the most commonly used method for removal is under direct visualization via endoscopy. Obvious benefits notwithstanding, this does require a trip to the operating room. I have had physicians recommend giving something to eat or drink for a foreign body stuck at the lower esophageal sphincter, especially pop. That may dilate the gastroesophageal sphincter and perhaps cause the child to burp and get the foreign body to move into the stomach. Other methods that have been described and used include a Foley catheter for the blunt foreign body done under fluoroscopy, uh, the bougenage method, passing a lubricated bougie or NG tube into the esophagus of the upright child in an attempt to dislodge the object, or even the administration of intramuscular or IV glucagon, the latter being a dose of one milligram. This will induce relaxation of the distal esophagus. One randomized control trial did not show benefit for glucagon, plus it makes patients feel absolutely terrible. I've tried it, it's actually been successful, but I wouldn't recommend it routinely and it seems to have fallen out of favor. All right, so let's say that the coin makes its way out of the esophagus and gets into the stomach. So fortunately, foreign bodies in the stomach are much less likely to lead to complications. Though it is possible for a foreign body to get larged at the pylorus, this doesn't happen all that frequently. Really big objects, greater than six centimeters long or two centimeters wide, can get stuck. Foreign bodies in the lower intestinal tract can cause appendicitis or get stuck in a meckles, and that will generally lead to a case report. The most worrisome foreign bodies past the stomach are two magnets. They can attract each other across different loops of bowel or get stuck to other metallic foreign bodies, leading to perforation. There was recently a rise in the number of magnet ingestions in a recent time period. Hopefully with education and outreach, this will go down. So as with the esophagus foreign bodies, kids with previous GI surgeries are more likely to get a foreign body lodged at a stricture or site of anastomosis. Kids with a history of pyloral myotomy for pyloric stenosis are also less likely to have a foreign body move out of their stomach. Symptoms of foreign bodies in the stomach and intestines include abdominal distension, pain, vomiting, hematochesia, or even unexplained fever if it's been there for a while. Note that most often, kids are asymptomatic. I've also had kids say that their tummy hurts because they are upset that their parents are mad because they swallowed a coin and had to make an expensive ER visit. Again, as with the esophagus, x-rays are the best study for radio-opaque foreign bodies, and they can show them very reliably. Unless the kid has had previous surgery or existing GI abnormalities, blunt foreign bodies that are in the stomach can stay there. Tell the parents to watch for change in the stools. Get it? Uh, hopefully the child who swallowed a quarter won't poop out two dimes and a nickel. X-rays can re be repeated in weekly or more widely spaced increments for the stomach coin. Once it's there for a month, that's probably too long and it needs to be taken out. Button batteries in the stomach or intestines, in contrast to the esophagus, do not need to be removed immediately, as they generally pass through the lower GI tract without difficulty. However, the follow-up differs. Get a follow-up x-ray in two to three days. If it's still in the stomach, 
that's the time for endoscopic removal. If it's in the intestines, you can follow with x-rays every two to three days until it passes. Very sharp objects, like sewing needles in the stomach, should be removed endoscopically. If it's past the pylorus, consult a surgeon. The stable patient will likely just be observed instead of going to the OR for laparotomy. Body packers, you know, patients who ingest material wrapped in plastic bags or condoms, these plastic bags often containing illicit drugs to avoid detection during transport, are at risk of death if these packets rupture. So if you swallow a balloon full of a lot of cocaine and that balloon pops inside your intestines, your body will absorb a lot of cocaine. That is bad. You should consult a poison center and the patient should be admitted for whole bowel irrigation to get that packing material out of the body as soon as possible. Well, that's it for this edition of PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. Big take-home points include to remember to let the child protect their own airway if you suspect an upper airway foreign body. Impacted esophageal foreign bodies should be removed, and endoscopy really is the best method. Keep the kid NPO and consult a gastroenterologist or your local procedurist. Coins can wait a bit, but button batteries need to be removed more emergently. Most foreign bodies below the gastroesophageal junction pass without incident. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, at PEMTweets. I'd love to continue the conversation. Leave a comment on the blog at PEMblog.com. And trust me, my site has all the educational content you can stomach. Again, this has been Brad Soboleski for PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. See you next time. <music>